Valvoline instant oil change is the quick, easy, trusted place for your next oil change. Valvoline's convenient, no appointment needed. You can even stay in your car while they do the work. You have to sit in some waiting room, you know? Mm -hmm. Their friendly certified technicians have over 270 hours of training and they get you in and out fast while performing a thorough free 18-point maintenance check with your oil change. We got someone here who just experienced this, our own Aaron Blair. Blair, well, how was it? It was awesome. I took my Jeep uh, jock jams in and got a sweet oil change. And uh, and I actually brought a book because I thought it would take a while. And uh, they had me in and out in like 15 minutes. It was awesome. Well, also, you should point out, you can't read. I can't. So, <laughs> But I wanted people to you, think I could. Yeah, but I mean, uh, come on. Yeah, maybe somebody hot is there. And they're like, oh, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, and then, then you know, now I've, I'm, I got a date. Yeah, yeah I don't but, think that's, uh, that's not how people meet each other. Didn't, didn't have time for that. Yeah, so if you see Blay driving around in his beautifully oiled jock jams, <laughs> give him the old thumbs up. <laughs> or throw a tangerine at him. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Valvoline, they're doing it right. Visit valvoline.com slash Conan for an exclusive offer towards your next oil change. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. (laughs) Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Hey, everyone. My name is Lars Ulrich. And I feel psyched about being Conan O'Brien's friend. You know what? I'll take it. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk and lose, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Okay, so I shouldn't think, right? Would you start talking? Yeah. You guys get mad when I think. Yeah. No, I'm, no, I'm I didn't do that. Try to was make it good. Inhaling. Okay. I wasn't snoring. Like I was bored with <clears throat> Here we thinking. Go. I think that's good. Corn cob. Why do you say corn cob so much? Cheddar cheese, let's go. Lumbar support. Nothing means anything. This is all going in. None of it's going in. Three, two. Hey there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, podcast that gives and gives. It never stops. Uh, gives and gives what? I don't know. Okay. Uh, and, and it does stop. Plasma. Yeah, we, it yeah. stops. There's like That's a run a time night. and then it yeah. stops. You're right. Yeah. Okay, terrible. I'm starting again. I want a better in, in, intro. This yeah. will all stay in though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want it out. <clears throat> I command it. You okay, go. Okay, we'll listen to you. Three, <laughs> got two. it. <laughs> hey there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Yeah, that we was know a, we already heard this. No. <laughs> You didn't, you cut out the other stuff. So this is a fresh start Uh to a podcast, a professional opening, and you edited as I asked you to. Uh, Sona, how are you? I'm all right. I'm not bad. Okay. (laughs) 
Great, great. It's so awkward You're when you answer that. True. When you ask it that, because also we've been sitting in this ask room for me, a long ask time. Me how I'm doing? How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Not awkward at all. Gorley, how are you? I'm doing no pretty, pretty good. <laughs> well, I don't understand. Uh, I um, maybe it's because for 28 years uh, I would say good evening, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. I'd say things that were kind of phony like that. So I maybe know. I don't. I'm used to it. Oh, I'm yeah. not. You know, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back what? with more fun. I used to do that. I used to say things like that every night. Yeah. No one says things like that. It's a very weird job. Well, because you were throwing to commercial and you were coming back from commercial. Oh, thanks for reminding me. So you had to say those things. Okay. But there's also, yeah, like we've been in this room together for a while talking. So when you're like, how are you doing? It's like, well, we covered that like uh, two hours ago. We have chatter when we first come in the room and we talk to each other as human beings and then we start the show. Yeah. No, you come in and berate us. You don't even say hi. And then, then we do this. Yeah. Yeah. Also, God forbid we laugh before when it's not recorded. Then yeah. you and Adam both are yeah. just like, you know, well, stop. Be- because. Start recording. Because a wasted laugh. I think the greatest crime in the universe. Yeah. You know, it tops the murder of an angel. When there's a good hearty laugh and it's not recorded. It's uh. like if a tree falls in the forest and no one sees it, did it fall? I think if a laugh happens off mic. It's nothing. It's not even a laugh. But what about a shared chuckle among friends? No. That's even a richer. Wasted. No. What about when you're at like dinner with your friends and you guys are chuckling? I are mic. You like... I mic everything. Oh. oh. Yeah. Oh, you mic. Yeah. It. No. If That's I go to the funny part. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hardy, you're like, har, har. Hey guys, let me get the equipment. <laughs> you have a duffel bag. No, you'd like to see me get my equipment, and I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, oh, no, I, if I. If I'm going to have, whenever I'm having dinner with like a Marty Short or a Bill Hader or any of these Name really drop. funny people or we, we John Mulaney, I say to yeah. Eduardo, I'm going to dinner with some funny people. Bring your stuff. And Eduardo mics it. Eduardo, Every time. you get to go? It's been fun. Come on, He doesn't man. get to eat. Mm. <laughs> Where is yeah. he sitting? He's under the table working the equipment. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you don't even throw him some scraps or anything. I tried that once, but it turns out he has a nut allergy. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I just shoved some peanuts down there, and then I heard someone's lungs give out. Wait, why isn't he under the table while we record here? Eduardo, no. get under the table. There are certain It'll fit. <clears throat> yeah, there are certain uh, union rules that we must follow. But when I'm out to dinner, I can get away with moita. So, uh, you know, I do feel that way. I do feel that before, if there's a lot of laughing and joking around and the laughs are just bouncing around the room and they're not being recorded, it's it's like sacred blood of the gods seeping into the soil. No, I, I want that saved. Now, is that for the posterity of humankind or is it because you want to know that there are more people out there feeding off you. Like, second, gi- one, yeah, second one. Yeah, giving one. you somehow a, an energy out there in the world laughing. The minute you. you said, is it for posterity and the goodness of, I knew it was going to be the second one. <laughs> I was just like, whatever the second one is, it's that yeah. one. You it's want not- people to think you're funny. Yes. Oh, Bingo. Oh my God. And really? I want to capture those laughs. Oh. I want to capture those laughs. That's why I think it's good to turn the mics on right away and Sonia, you come in some days and you just start babbling right away. I and do. Then, and then you're laughing and you've I'm only got so many time. you've only got so many laughs in you in no, a day, I... and we've got to capture them all on the mic. She's the greatest laugher. I, she's a great you... laugher, yeah. but she's only got so many. No, I don't. I can laugh forever. Not true. I, no. Well, it's I... been this is medically proven. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Who's... How old are you now? Forty. Yeah. Forty year old woman has like maybe nine laughs in her a day. Nine? True story. Oh yeah. man, what Men happens? have like six. 
So I just, like, even if something's funny to me, I just don't laugh? Uh, laughs require a lot of calcium, and we lose calcium over time. I've studied this extensively. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, you just oh, lost shit. You just lost three vertebrae. Oh, that was precious. Oh, you just lost oh, three no. vertebrae. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, look, she's collapsing. I can't shorter. Oh, no, sure. Hip, your left hip just shattered. Come on. Come on. Oh. No, don't do that. It's true story. Okay, if you say it's true, then it's true. So. Yeah, all you have to do is say true story. <laughs> If I was a lawyer, that's what I'd do. <laughs> when, some, when my client said something, I'd just be at my, true story. Case closed. True story. Uh, <laughs> I object, Your mic. Honor. Yeah. The opposing counsel keeps yelling, true story, every time his client says something. <laughs> I wish I was a lawyer. Do you? Yeah. No, you don't. Well, because I, I would do all that stuff. I think I'd be very funny in the courtroom. I think I'd be very, very funny in but the courtroom. But not effective as a lawyer. Oh, oh terrible yeah. lawyer. Okay. Oh, my, my clients would go to the electric chair left and right, and they wouldn't be up for capital crimes. <laughs> you know, they'd be like jaywalking, electric chair. But I would have so much fun saying, I object, Your Honor, and then jumping into the witness box and then jumping out, oh. doing all that stuff. I would love doing that. Yeah. What do you think you would have done if you weren't doing comedy? I think I'd have been murdered a long time ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I would have been doing. I, I don't know. What would you be doing? <laughs> I don't know what I've been doing. <laughs> I think Even I'd be... contemplating it made my mouth fall apart. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do not know. It's a very good question. Uh, I think uh, you'd be an insufferable history teacher. Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You, Why insufferable? No, he'd, he'd be doing bits the whole time. No, oh, but I think be, he'd be a good he'd one. He'd come in with his glasses upside down going, mm, did you hear what happened to the Battle of Hastings? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get Hastings now. Uh, uh, no, I think I would take your class. Yeah, of course you would. All the all the ladies would want to take my class. Uh, what? Oh, that I'll be like, who's that dreamy professor? Oh, okay. Mm. All right. I guess. Would I you write know. Love You on Your Eyelids like Indiana Jones? God, you are no, so obsessed with not. Harrison yeah, Ford and Indiana Jones. Well, so anybody listening would not know that because we talked about it off mic. Oh, okay. See? And why didn't you uh, put that on mic, you know? Well, you, anytime you work Harrison Ford into more conversations. Oh, he's great. Man. Yeah. He's yeah. great. You would say I wish he write. was my history teacher. Well, yes, I know. I think I would be a great history teacher. And I think well, we stopped yeah. talking about you. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk more about it. Okay, let me ask you this yeah. quickly. Well, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore, but uh, I know that you are completely fixated on Harrison Ford. Would you rather have him on the podcast or someone who played James Bond? Because oh, I know that tough, like man. Indiana Jones versus James Bond. What if I said Daniel Craig's outside, but Ooh, Harrison Ford's also outside, but only one can come in. Double I knew team. you were going to ask this. Yes, double team. double team. Cowboys and Aliens. They were Sandwich. in a movie together. They're promoting it decades later. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think I would take, love James Bond, but you've got Indiana Jones and Han Solo there. Yeah, you would you would London you would let them London bridge you. <laughs> I mean, oh my are gosh. you kidding? She's not wrong. Uh, can you explain what that is yeah. for the listeners? What am, I, what am I doing? You know, my dad occasionally listens to this podcast. Sona, would you explain what what that meant? <laughs> I just think people should Google it. No, I think you should explain. Well, it's also called an Eiffel Tower. Uh -huh. uh, if for people, God, you're learned. <laughs> How many cities have you had weird <laughs> sex in? <laughs> yeah. So wait, so what is it? It's one from the back, one from the front, and they're high fiving each other. I yeah, see. Yeah, you are bridging. And they are the apparatus or the Eiffel Tower. And they're so Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig are, are doing uh, uh, Matt Gourley yeah. and uh, from one from both ends and they're high fiving each other. And that's called an Eiffel Tower and a London Bridge because <laughs> they're high fiving. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I know. I understand. Okay. I understand. Right. This I is the way it sure has that... to happen. This is the only way it can happen. Then I'm in. 
And by by in, I mean they're in. <laughs> they're in. They're in. Uh-huh. All right. I'm glad we uh, established I, uh, that. I didn't know where we were going with today's conversation, but I'm very satisfied well, with where we ended up. Well, which one's doing the bridge and which one's doing the tunnel? You know what I mean? Like, wh- wh- who am I facing? Uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah. And then gotten... Daniel Craig's back there. Yeah. And then they're high-fiving. Yeah. I just want to make sure that visual. <laughs> I have to yeah. say, Sona who had an, uh, all those years you were my assistant, you had an encyclopedic knowledge of all these insane, crass sexual positions. Yeah. And you knew all the insane names for them. And they were things like, it's Superman with an eye patch. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's. Uh, you, it, the California potato chip. The, uh, What's op- that? Stop pretty... making me explain these things. Yeah. There's kids. Probably who are listening. No need to learn a little something. <laughs> What's a California potato chip? It's when you. D- in the morning, you peel it off and you make them eat it. Oh, I know that is a dry back. <laughs> okay, this. You I can't. Wanna... There needs to be a sensor here. Yeah, there is. His name is Adam Sachs. Adam, he's in the why corner. are you allowing he's this? He's in the corner and he's saying this isn't why going. Is, this he's is terrible. taking notes. He's no, trying to cut doesn't. all of this off. I don't think, I think I need to go home now. Okay. Can I just ask one more question? Why has it got to be California? I, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Why is a Cleveland steamer from Cleveland? Okay. You're the <laughs> filthiest person I ever met, Sona. You know all of this stuff. Why is a rusty trombone some guy named Rusty? Yeah, exactly. you always come in and say, oh man, you know, I got for the donkey punch. And yeah. I'd be like, what are you talking well, about? You have your knowledge of the Civil War. You know, James Bond. And I know, you know, I know that stuff. I know about the rusty trom- trombone and that stuff. Well, you have the power to stop this at any time you want to read you, that intro. You're making it go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Make it well, stop. I can't believe we had this filthy talk just before introducing one of Rock's most vicious <laughs> heavy metal drummers. Oh God. He's probably aghast backstage. I like to say backstage. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> They're talking about the California potato chip. I'm horrified. Uh, now I've got to get back to Metallica. <laughs> I'm so shocked. We never talked this way in Metallica. All right, my guest today is the drummer and co-founder of the legendary heavy metal band Metallica. He's won nine Grammys. That's nine more than me with the band and has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame more than I have. Now Metallica just released its 11th studio album, 11 more than me, 72 seasons, and they're headed out on their M72 world tour. I am thrilled he's here today. Lars Ulrich, welcome. Not too long ago, I'm backstage at a, at a Jack White show, and there you are, and you're just there as a fan, and I'm there as a fan, and we got to chat a little bit. It was just cool to see you out enjoying music. I, wherever Jack White is playing, if I'm in the same vicinity, I'm, I'm always there. I love Jack, have loved him, obviously, going back to the White Stripe days. I think he personifies that sort of edgy rock and roll that's becoming less and less of a a big you know thing these days i mean he he's in the studio he makes records impulsively and and it's just oozes a lot of the same elements of kind of danger and and impulsivity and not quite knowing you know one of my favorite things about him is that uh, he never has a set list he just makes it up as he goes along and so i'm always watching and you know he's do this song and then song and then he'll yell back at the other guys in the band and now we're going to do this and then it's it's 
Yeah, they have to be yeah. on their toes. Yeah. They really they have to be on their toes. They don't know uh, what he's going to yeah. do. And um, the a word that comes to mind that I, a, a lot of my favorite artists embody this word, restless. And uh, so yeah. Yeah. it was just yeah. nice to be backstage. Yeah. Well, and there was great. a lot of cool yeah. people backstage. Yeah, it's you know, We live up in San Francisco, obviously, uh, as you know. And when we come down to LA, you know, it's always, oh my God, look at these backstages. They're so-and-so and they're so-and-so. It's always fun to run into other creative people down here. But but Jack is really uh, one of my maybe top five all-time musicians. I I love him. And whether he's doing, you know, uh, his own stuff, whether he's doing the raconteurs, whether yep. he's obviously back in the day with the White Stripes or whatever, it, it, he's just such a great artist, uh, unpredictable artist. Uh, always it, it's interesting to see where he goes. It's so inspiring. Uh, and on top of that, He's a really nice guy. He is a nice guy. Always uh, welcomes you. You know, we're in Nashville, you know, a couple of years ago. You go to his house and there's a bowling alley and you're yep, hanging right. out and, hey, let, did you want to jam in the in the back in the studio? I mean, it's it's a, he's very embraceive and I love yeah, that kind of energy. Yeah, but also, some of it sounds desperate to me. I'll be honest with you, <laughs> Lars. Some of it, you know, it sounds like Jack doesn't have enough to do. And Jack, if you're listening and he's a friend, leave Lars alone, you know? I think one night is fine, but uh, then let's do this, yeah. let's do that. It gets sad, you know? I'll tell you, uh, I, I know what you're saying, but... Uh, but, I, I, but I'm going to get a text but, from Jack uh, about right. this. Let's, we can text him right now. How soon um, did he call you after you gave him his number? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, and Jack, if, if, if you're hearing this, uh, you know I love you and nothing but love. But for a guy who supposedly doesn't have a phone, mm -hmm. you know, he's a pretty engaged texter. Yes. You know, so I'm not, oh, really, oh. I'm not really quite sure how that works out. I'm telling whether you, it's, it's a his shame. wife's phone yeah. or whether, it, you know, it's just got a computer, you know, that he texts from, whatever. Uh, but, also, he's so pro uh, vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. He's got the, uh, every time I go to his house, all he does is play CDs. That's all he does. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go like, hey, well, do you want, can we check out that vinyl record? And he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to listen to that shit. He said, if you want real quality CDs, and then it's like, more Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> Soon, MP3. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. You know, um, that's enough time for Jack. Uh, this is about you, man, and we are thrilled uh, that you're here. I have to say, the first thing I wanted to mention is, I believe you and I are the same age. Uh, born the same Six, year. 63? I'm 77. Okay. <laughs> no, I was born in 1963. Yeah, yeah. me too. So we're both the same age, and you're about to start this tour. You've got this this new album, 72 Seasons, and I've been listening to this one track, uh, this one track, Lux Eterna on it, which listen to this track, and I'm thinking, <laughs> these guys have not lost a step. Well, thank you. No, but I mean, well, this could have been 1981, here it is all these years later, you're headed out on this massive year, this massive tour that's gonna last two years. Oh. And if someone told me I was going out for two weeks on a tour right now, <laughs> I would find the nearest chair and you, beat them you, with you it. Run over to Jack's house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would hide two under years. all his CDs. I don't know how, <laughs> how do you, I mean, at, at, at this point in your life, the physicality, the it, um, amount of determination yeah. it takes, well, uh, it, yeah. it's, I mean, it just it, blows my mind. The easy answer is that it doesn't get any easier whatsoever. And and I, as I've been explaining this in the last week or two as I've started hearing myself do interviews again about this around this new project, it, it takes twice the effort or more 
just to reach the same level, just to plateau. So it's not, you know, I'm on the Peloton an hour and a half a day and I'm working out and I'm watching what I'm eating and I'm being healthy and all that to get better. It's just to stay the same at this age. But, um, you know, I take it seriously. All of us in our own ways take it seriously. All of us have different routines, our own unique ways of approaching it. And the main thing is that when we get up on that stage, we want to be there for the other guys in the band and obviously for the audience and and be the best we can be. I do find myself uh, often at a sort of crossroads in my mind where I eat the same shit for breakfast every day. I eat the same shit for lunch every day, more or less the same thing for dinner every day. I'm very, very routine-based, and I really like to be in that routine. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I'm out of that routine, it's like, oh, I need my tofu for dinner, and I need my protein, and I need this and that. And then I kind of sit there and go, really? You can't just go to a restaurant with your friends and have like what's on the menu? You got to be that rigid. If you could sit here with your 22-year-old, and I go, really? That's what you've become? So there, it's sort of, it's like, no. a, it's a constant, it's a constant battle between those two approaches. But somebody said a couple of weeks ago when I was explaining these new lifestyle choices, as we call them, he said, um, uh, you know, it sounds like you, 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 it, it feels good to feel good. Yeah. And I like that. I, I still occasionally drink, it, but it's like, it's like once a month now, and I eat my protein and my yogurt and my egg whites and my tofu. You know, and, you're describing uh, the rock and roll dream. That's right. You know, this and is the this is the funny this is the funny thing. There. This this is where you're going to end this up is, if you want to keep doing this. There shit. are so many kids. <laughs> there, there are so many kids since like 1981 that'd be like, I I want to be James Hetfield. I want to be Lars Ulrich. You know, that's my dream. And uh, to find out later on that it's well. Okay. Nine hours of sleep a night. Hydrate. Avoid the sun. Um, check your stool every day right. to make sure there's no corn in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just and, this is. <laughs> but you know, this it's is the way life goes. This is the way it girls. goes. But you know, the best. This is a my favorite f- analogy for life and aging. And it's it's not funny, but it's very profound, and it's something that I think about a lot. Is that when you're born, you're dropped into a a fast current. And so you don't even have to do anything and you just start growing taller, you start getting muscle, you start, you know, everything. And and then the current starts to slow down in your late 20s, early 30s, and then 40, and then the current kind of stands still. So in order to make any progress, you need to kind of, but then the current starts moving against you. So that in order to just stay in the same place, you need to start doing butterfly strokes and working hard. And what you're describing makes sense, which is um, what we were just doing in uh, Norway shooting uh, this this TV project. I did the same thing as you. I was my weight and I was working out. I I was eating right and everything just... So I could run around and be the jackass that, that I was 25 years ago exactly, yeah. uh, doing and, nothing. And, and you know what? Uh, I mean, as, as, as easy it is to make fun of and, and we can sit here and, and blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I like when I'm up on stage and I feel strong and I'm in that moment and the four of us are connecting and we're connecting with an audience, whatever the size is, all of it's worth it. Who would have thought? You know, coming up on 41 years later that Metallica would still be functioning, would still be relevant enough to be, 
you know, sitting here with you guys. Thank you very much. Still You're be, welcome. you know, uh, yeah. you know, going out yeah, you, there, well, going, going out there and playing, yeah. um, you know, a two-year tour. You cleared a high tour. bar, Lars. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, okay. Going out there and playing a two-year tour and, and yeah. putting records out that still um, connect with people and, you know, even in the wake of something like Strangers Things last summer. I know, that was crazy. Re reaching more and more people. Who the fuck would have thought that? Yeah. And who would have, again, thought, you know, if you take it a step further and say, you know, McCartney just turned 80. He's still out there. Yeah. Jagger is doing all those sexy bum wiggles better than he's ever done <laughs> and connecting. But I mean. But he's doing the, it against his own. He can't <laughs> stop. You know, now it's involuntary. <laughs> no, but. They're I trying mean, to. The it's a, come it's on, it was it's always a, that way. It's a it's spasm. A, yeah. It was always it's, that uh, way. It's, but I mean, it's, it's certainly. Uh, it, it's inspiring, and I think that as long as the shoulders and the necks and sure. the knees and the backs and all of it, if they keep functioning on the four uh, Metallica guys, we'll keep doing this hopefully for another 20 years, egg whites and tofu included. You know? <laughs> you know, Scotty's cares about the environment and has strong values they stand behind. Plus, Scotty's facial tissues are super soft, strong, and absorbent and easy on the wallet. Whether you've got allergies or just a case of the sniffles, stock up on Scotty's facial tissues so you can stop wiping your nose on your sleeve. Isn't that disgusting when people do that, Sona? I just don't like that. No, I don't like it either. I like I like to wipe my nose on your sleeve, oh, but that's... not my sleeve. Yeah. Well, my sleeve is made of Scotty's tissues, so that's a... <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. That's a very cool fashion statement. <laughs> Hey, and stop offering guests toilet paper to blow their nose into. That's disgusting. Hand them a Scotty's facial tissue. Instead, you can find Scotty's facial tissues that come in beautiful box designs. Put one in every room. Why not make your guest feel like a king or queen? Hmm. If someone offers me a tissue, sometimes people say to me, Conan, would you like a tissue? I say, is it Scotty's? And if it's not, I just swat it away. Oh, okay. Scotty's is better at what counts. For more information, visit scottysfacial.com. It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. Way. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 
way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's (laughs) happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less Filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. You know, I wanted to um, just to speak to the uh, just the incredible endurance of your uh, of your fan base and how loyal they are and how it just it it grew and grew and grew and then they've always been with you and they followed you the the whole way. I mean, your your the shows. The number of people that you played to, you played one show in Russia to 1.6 million people. I believe it was a free show, and I think that was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I think, yeah, uh, it was. You uh, could have cleaned I, I, up. I, I don't know if the money at that time was worth anything, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was right in the wake of the perestroika and yes. the transitional stuff. No, it was a beautiful thing. I mean, and it was, so it was negotiated between... I think it was a Gorbachev, maybe Yeltsin was coming into power at the time, and it was negotiated between the students right. and the people running the uprisings and the demonstrations yeah. and the government in that period of transition that part of what they wanted, uh, the students wanted, was a rock and roll show. Yeah. And so ACDC and Metallica were on tour uh, in Western Europe that whole summer, and two, three weeks before the end of the tour, they want you to come to Russia and playing at that time, I mean, this is just a couple of years after Reagan, uh, you know, yeah. Bush Sr. was president and it was still, you know, the evil Russians and and all of that stuff. And they're going to, you know, drop nuclear bombs on you next week. And and I mean, there was all that that crazy, crazy stuff. So going to Russia was like, holy shit, here we are. Here we are in the Red Square. Here we are yeah. running around seeing, uh, you know, the sights and the Kremlin. And, and then we were there for maybe three days and then played that insane show. Uh, we weren't really prepared for what that was going to be. And if you go to YouTube now, it is among the most surreal and extraordinary footage of Metallica ever because like you're saying it is Metallica and whether it's a million people a million and a half who knows what the real number is but there are tens of thousands of Russian soldiers in uniform that are supposed to be protecting the audience and they're as into the show and and rocking along as all the kids are there are Sikorsky helicopters flying right over the audience I don't know if it's a scare tactic or whether they're keeping people whatever it is 
But these giant Sikorsky helicopters hovering right over the audience looked like people could just reach out and touch them. And it is, um, it's a real mindfuck of a concert to watch, uh, I guess, 30 years later. So if anybody out there is listening, check it out on YouTube. No, uh, you it know, is really to me, unusual. To me, it's the power of... Um, and I'm going to want to talk about how I love that your origin story is so amazing and your fans all know it, but I want to sh make sure my fans know your origin story because it is absolutely incredible. But to think that it started out two guys finding each other, um, put, you know, putting ads in the paper. Recycler. Yeah. yeah and you, oh. you, you know, and then what happens is you end up getting, uh, you can unify all these people in in Russia at a very delicate time. I mean, we could really use that today, obviously, but getting 1.6 million people to come to a concert. And I, I think a lot of them were chanting around. They know the lyrics. They yeah. know the yeah. words. Yeah. They know the syncopation of all the songs. And it's because... Yeah. And it was all from bootleg tapes. Because yes. Because there was no record industry in the Eastern Europe at the time. But so. the unifying power of that, the unifying power of, uh, you know, any kind of art form but especially the music of Metallica just worldwide is a very positive thing. Yeah, you it's, know? it's pretty critical. I'll tell you another uh, version of that that comes to mind. Uh, first is uh, we've played down in uh, Abu Dhabi and Dubai a couple, two, three times. Mm -hmm. And um, great, great place to come and play, uh, primarily because the fans come in from Iran, they come in from Iraq, they come in from Saudi, they come in from Kuwait, they come in from Lebanon, they come in from Bahrain, they come in from Syria, they come in from all over the Middle East. And you're playing to 30, 40,000 kids. We've done it two, three times. And they all bring their flags, their national flags. That's cool. The Iranians and the Iraqis and the Saudis and everybody else are sharing an experience together. Right. You know, we've played in India, we've played in you know, places like Indonesia, Malaysia. You played the, Antarctica, didn't you? We, we played Antarctica, yes. We, we, there was a, and then there was a year, polar bear attack uh, at one, one point. One year, uh, it was by chance. It, it, it was not something that we set down. Well, in you know, two years from now, let's check all the seven continent boxes. It wasn't like that. We were playing somewhere. We were playing somewhere else. We were playing, and then we were five or six into it, and somebody said, well, hang on a second. If we're going to do this, Lynn, let's do it. And we got an offer uh, from, um, I think it was Coca-Cola. Uh, they were doing a contest for Latin America and they invited us to come down and play for contest winners hmm. uh, on a Chilean research base in Antarctica. And so we flew down, talk about different, na bring different nationalities together. We were on a Russian icebreaker on a Chilean, anchored off a Chilean research base, playing to Argentinian, Chilean, and Brazilian Coca-Cola contest winners <laughs> in a space that was maybe twice of the room we're in. Right, and we're in a small a, room, yeah. It was, uh, it was a, a tent that was set up. And on top of that, everybody in the audience had headphones on like we all do now because it was silent disco style. Because uh, part, of the, part, of the, part, of, part of the deal was we couldn't uh, disturb the environment and the penguins and, and all the incredible wildlife down there. So the only thing you could hear in that tent uh, were the drums, were the acoustic drums and James's vocals, but all the amplifiers, you know, every, everything that was amplified, the guitars, the bass, et cetera, 
we're all going through these uh, sort of boxes into everybody's headphones. Oh my so God. you put all those elements together, and that was one of the most unique three or four days ever. And on top of it, the band members and all our wonderful crew and all the contest winners were staying on that icebreaker together. <laughs> so it was a real communal experience, and, and we all had our meals together. And if anybody wanted a beverage or post-show drink or whatever, we'd go down the bar. Right. And it was the 200 contest winners. Yeah. It was one of the best uh, trips we've ever had. And then one guy asked for a Pepsi, and he was uh, thrown overboard. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to uh, I want to get to your origin story, but first I wanted to. This is a little unusual, but I brought a friend of mine in uh, who I've worked with for many years. He's a brilliant writer on the show, and he's helped us out. Uh, Matt, right over there. Hi. And, I'm not uh, usually here. No, no, no. Okay. And I, I we don't. Matt and I don't, don't get along. Yeah. But I invited him That's in. Why this is we're Matt O'Brien. Not, not, not that I would know. Yeah, but it'll come out. Don't but, worry. But uh, Matt. Um, all we've known each other since for how long? Since two thousand nine. Seven. Oh seven. Oh seven. Okay, yeah. it feels like oh nine. But anyway, yeah. mm -hmm. we've known each other since two thousand seven. Every day he comes in, he wants to talk to me about Metallica. <laughs> Every <laughs> single day, yeah. and he plays me. What he tells me what you're up to, and mm -hmm. I appreciate it because <laughs> okay. I'm a fan as well. But I thought I, I feel like I should apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's been great. It's been great to not okay. break common ground with Conan for for almost twenty years. No, no, no. It's been, but uh, but man, you uh, you were on in New York mm -hmm. and you found out that Lars was going to be here today, and yeah. you flew yeah. here. So. I couldn't miss. Well, yeah. couldn't miss. All How kidding. All kidding aside, thank you very much. Thanks That's for great. being here. I'm, Thanks yeah. for coming excited out. to be here. How many shows have you been to? Uh, Sixty two. Yeah. Oh wow. What, yeah. what was your first one? Atlanta '93. Do you remember him? Lakewood yeah. or what? Yeah. Lake, Lakewood Amphitheater. Lakewood, yeah, yeah, Lakewood yeah. Wait a minute. How Great did you? Memory. Wait a minute. Wow. Wait a minute. How did you know that? Lakewood Amphitheater. Yeah. I um, yeah. if we go around a room and you say Atlanta or you say mm -hmm. uh, Louisville and you say uh, whatever Dallas, Houston, Dallas. I can pretty quickly identify the venue, remember wow. the shows, and oh my um, God. crazy, what? and yeah. remember the tours and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. know my children's names. <laughs> <laughs> Let That's, me try one on we you. We can help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> Antarctica. Yeah. yeah. Antarctica was uh, December yeah. the 13th. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah it's... Uh, this weird uh, people are very generous they call it encyclopedia like i it it and i often play along on that uh, tangent i i do feel increasingly that you know if you put me james and kirk together in the same room we can pretty much the three of us make a whole and we can remember all of it 100% but i remember all the dates so if you say where were you uh, in uh, you know february 08 i can go we were right there we played there we played this venue and uh, but Atlanta, I mean, has always been great. And Lakewood and the Omni. And yeah, the Omni, which the is Omni, not there anymore. Right. But but what's amazing about the fact that you remember it's every city had an amphitheater that looked kind of the same, which exactly. was just that rake oh. with a lawn in the back. So yeah. the fact that you remember specifically that it was called Lake, because that must yeah. they must all look the same yeah, it, from it, the stage. It, a it was bit. a lot easier back in the day because, you know, 20, 30 years ago when we came up, sort of the 80s and 90s, all the venues whether they were, you know, coliseums, or auditoriums, or arenas, uh, or the amphitheaters, they all had 
geographical, primarily geographical names. So if you were in, you know, Phoenix, it was the Phoenix Municipal Auditorium. Mm -hmm, right. And if you were in Atlanta, it was Lakewood or it was the Omni or it was attached to the CNN Center or whatever. Yep. Now, when you go to all these places, every one of them is called the FedEx building. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or it's a corporate the, name, yeah. Or right. the, the State Farm Insurance. Yeah. And so you can't, kind of keep track because the naming rights right. of those change every couple three five years yeah. so you're sitting there going did i play this before yeah you know and and, and before a they, bank bought the name yeah. Right. So yeah. yeah and so but i also, saw you oh, at the depend center you know <laughs> in orlando and you're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. damn it why did they Ast buy it astro glide arena <laughs> god knows we've played all of them actually we played to the the uh continents thing um one year on the justice tour in 88 89 we were 46 or 47 states into it and we realized shit you know should we go for 50 and um <laughs> yeah. and so uh there was it depends no, on what the other ones are yeah, what yeah. were they what so were there was uh, there was no there's no arena or at least at that time there was no arena in delaware and there was no arena in vermont <laughs> So in Vermont, we played a high school gymnasium, and in um, and in Del I love that. And Delaware, we played a club, maybe a stone balloon or something. I think it was called, and uh, and so we ended up playing all all fifty of of the state because at that time. You know, uh, hitting Honolulu and hitting Anchorage was a fairly regular stop. Sullivan Arena up in Anchorage and the NBC Arena uh, in uh, in Honolulu were regular parts. You know what of this reminds me of? I was that um, Bill Wyman was the um, famously the bass player for the Rolling uh, Stones for you know a, a good good chunk of their run. And um, he had he had the, he was the encyclopedia. Yeah, I've heard a, that story. He had too. an encyclopedic knowledge, yeah. but of a specific thing. You know, oh. everyone would think like, "Oh my God, you were there! You were there for all these seminal moments, and you were in uh, this amazing rock band, and you went through this incredible time." And apparently, when you read through his diaries, it's all we played this venue. Here's how much we got paid. Uh. Here's how much. <laughs> I put in this. I put in this much for the cab I took home, and then I charged this much for the dry cleaning. Then we pay. Yeah, no, I've heard that story too. Yeah, yeah, right? and you, and it's over, and like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages, and you think, how about was there a moment where Jagger <laughs> you irritated you, yeah. or should you not have been an accountant? Oh, yeah, or even yeah. better, was there a moment where you guys really connected as a rock and roll yeah. band to an audience? Well, what does that have to do with how much money I got paid <laughs> and how much money the cab? cost um no but his yeah his his accountant was thrilled with him uh you know i just wanted to mention quickly for people uh your career uh touches on a, a philosophy and a theory that i've had for a long time that i've been thinking about and i bring it up a lot on this uh program and i brought it a lot brought it up a lot in different speeches i've given which is this theory i have that it's your failure to be what you think you're supposed to be that often leads you to the thing you're really supposed to be. And I like that. no one demonstrates that better than you, Lars, because you come from this incredible tennis playing uh, family <laughs> and you're born in Denmark and that's the plan. And you're, you know, you're, you're playing tennis and you're working your way up through the system. And then you end up, uh, you come to the States to play tennis and it isn't quite working out for you. You're, it's not happening. And the next thing you know, you come to Newport Beach and it really doesn't happen. And you decide, all right, since I was like nine or 10, I've been obsessed with this kind of music that I've been hearing. Yep. 
Yeah. And uh, it is, we'd call it new wave British heavy new metal. New wave of British heavy metal was a specific thing that came out of the sort of the, you know, you know, Matt, right? It, sure. it came out of the, it, the 32nd version is that a lot of the big bands, you know, whether it was, you know, Led Zeppelin or Deep Purple or the Yeses of the world or the Genesis of the world, all these bands, as they, Pink Floyd, as they mm -hmm. went on and on, there was a, not necessarily my perception, but to a lot of people, they became larger than life and sort of lost touch with, with, you know, yeah. the streets and where they, where they came right. from. And so the, the 32nd version is, Punk kind of grew out of that mm -hmm. as a response to, I can learn how to play three chords and I want to be in a band. I don't have to write 20-minute epics and do yep. all that kind yep. of stuff. And so punk rock was sort of born as a as a contrary musical force to a rebellion. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the new wave of British heavy metal sort of came out. That was the hard rock version of the punk movement with, you know, all the bands were doing it themselves, putting out their own EPs and singles and their own tapes and playing all the local clubs and kind of, you know, bringing it up themselves, punk rock styles. And the bands that came out of that were Iron Maiden, Def Leppard, Saxon, Tigers of Pantang, Angel Diamond Witch, Head. I, Diamond, Diamond Head. Head. Yeah, I, I, I think you know all of them. But when I started hearing Diamond Head and the Tigers of Pantang and two degree bands like Iron Maiden and so on, it's like, I can do that. Right. And so when I came to, I spent a, a year at Nick Bulateri's Tennis Academy in Florida. Sarato Sarasota, yeah. Bradenton, the first year and ran screaming out of there back to Denmark. And then um, we ended up then in Newport Beach. I was going to go to uh, Coronel Del Mar High School, at, which was one of the highest ranked tennis uh, high schools in, in, in the country. And uh, six months later in February, as the tryouts were for the tennis team, uh, I was ranked in the top 10 in my age groups in Denmark. I wasn't one of the seven best tennis players going to Coronel Del Mar High School. I didn't make the fucking tennis team. <laughs> wow. So that... That's sort when of, you knew. That, that sort of. Screws, what are my other yeah, options? That yeah. just screwed up my Friday afternoon plans. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I, uh, I went back to uh, back to the house and and dove deeper into my uh, Diamond Head and my Iron Maiden records, and um, you know, got a drum kit together and and said, you know what, let's try this rock and roll thing, and then place the ad in the recycler. So this is the thing: you place an ad in the recycler, saying this is specifically the kind of music I want to play. The only thing is that no one in the states at that time. Yes really knows that music, you oh. are unusual because you're this agent that's come over from Europe, you're familiar with it, but you alone sort of know about this, you put yeah. this ad in the, and then at the same time, this guy says he's looking for a drummer that plays a similar kind of music, a yeah. little different, because yeah. he also mentions Aerosmith, but it's yeah. James Hetfield. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the <laughs> that's key, crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the key word, you, you said the word alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even when I think back to that time, it was a very lonely time. You know, I would walk into Coronel Del Mar High School, and listen, I was a an average student. I wasn't like a complete misfit or a fuck up or whatever, but I was a loner. Mm -hmm. I was an average student and I would walk in with my Iron Maiden t-shirts and my Saxon t-shirts and they would all sort of look at me. They weren't like bullying me. They weren't, there was nothing like weird, weird, but I was just a loner and an outcast. And, you know, if you talk to heavy metal, if you talk to others about heavy metal at the time, you know, it was, oh, you know, Kansas or Ario Speedwagon or Styx oh, yeah. or yeah. Van Halen or whatever, no disrespect to any of them. But the stuff that we were, that was turning us on and inspiring us was quite a bit edgier than that. Yeah. And so when James and I connected, I got a chance to play him a lot of the, you know, this music, these singles. He, like you said, came a little bit more from 
from the Aerosmith and and you know maybe Ted Nugent, Leonard Skinner, and so mm-hmm. on. Uh, but it was big in America at the time. But inst- he had heard of Iron Maiden. He, he knew Judas Priest and the Scorpions. And when we put our collective music collect you know music uh, libraries together, it it gelled really quickly, and off we went. There's something I don't want to get too geeky about this, but. One thing I should tell you is that I was always fascinated by drumming. The syncopation, the time changes, it's so exacting that sometimes I, I wonder, well, like, I said, like, like there, there how are, are you doing there, that? How there. are you doing that without some, uh, you know, it, it is, um, I mean, you guys turn on a dime. It stops, starts, and this is really on you, changes time, and I see the way you look at James Hetfield, and he's looking at you, and you guys are... It's mo- it's constantly modulating, changing. Uh, I, I kind of don't understand how that happens. I just don't understand how you can do that. And each song has its own signature and has its own arrangement. And there's not sheet music. There's not anyone there. To, you know what I mean? If there was sheet music, it would make it harder to play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you guys need a conductor. That's what you need. Uh, no, it's, uh, tap, 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 yeah, tap. All right, let's uh, begin, gentlemen. It uh, used to be really funny, like comical back in the days. Um, we used to work very closely with this company called uh, Cherry Lane, I believe they were called. And they, uh, you know, back in the day would do, you know, before YouTubes and all these things, you know, if you wanted to look at the the, the sheet music, for, for these records that everybody was putting out and people wanted to play along, you, you would, Cherry Lane would come in after you'd finished your record and then they would transcribe your music <laughs> and then, and then they would put it out back in the day, you know, it's like the guys in Cherry Lane don't understand what happens in this song from there to there. Can you, can, can you help them? And we're like, absolutely no chance in hell we can help them. Not because we didn't want to, but just we didn't we know. Don't, you don't we know don't, what you did. We don't know how to articulate what it, we just do it. It's something that becomes uh, instinctive, uh, I don't know, uh, in, you know, intuition, uh, I don't know, primal, whatever words you want sure. to put to it. And then, you know, you kind of sit there six months later, these Cherry Lane books out there and everybody's like, and then some, you meet some dude, you know, at a, Backstage, where he says, "You know, in the shortest straw, I don't know if that was transcribed correctly." <laughs> and we're sitting there. You going, have to answer are, for that. We are the last people on this planet that will know if if that was transcribed properly or not. But we just kind of come up with it. I mean, obviously, so cool. uh, you know, some of the stuff back in the day was a little nuttier. Yep. Now we really like, you know, the feel and and creating songs that have moods and swagger and bounce and you know pockets as we called it like rhythmic pockets some of the earlier songs like uh, i don't know like a song like one or if we play a song like injustice for fire all, with fire fight fire with fires yeah that's whoa um <laughs> you know some of that stuff you really have to uh to sort of be very in the moment still but if you start drifting uh, it happened to me it doesn't happen very often thankfully Knock on wood. That's um, not wood. But <laughs> this is wood. High density polymer. <laughs> this is wood. Okay. Um, but there was a time in, uh, where were we in? Uh, oh, you was, know where you were. You know, it was last yeah. year. It was yeah. in- You were uh, at the urinal cake arena. <laughs> we were Schittsburg, in, uh, Missouri. In, <laughs> we were in Belo Horizonte last, uh, just about a year ago in Brazil. And my mind started drifting for a couple of like three, five songs. I had one of those- out-of-body experiences where I was sitting up on stage. There's 50, 60,000 crazy, cool, in-it Brazilians with us. Yep. 
uh, my three bandmates there, and I had you know 15 minutes of like, why are all these people looking at me? Why am I why am I on stage? What does uh, all this mean? You know, where you just sit there and go like, okay, don't think like this. Just what's the next part? And fucking just find somebody down in the front row and you know, do this and get in the moment. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know, you're being blinded by a spotlight and it's like you had like a 15-minute freak out over. Doesn't happen very often, but it still does. And I guess the good part of that is that it reiterates the fact that you're human. I think that happens to to all of us. I was, yeah. you know, I had so many drum questions I wanted to ask, Please. but they're yeah. well. I mean, just the what is a drum? <laughs> <laughs> well, you just took my while first question. Yeah, while, okay. while we're getting all metaphysical yeah. here, yeah. let's let's yeah. get no. But I mean, uh, I just what you've done with uh, the bass drum, the bass pedals, and um, you know, just that the 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 footwork. That's well, I, I mean, well, I can't you. understand how how people can do that. I don't understand how anyone can do that. But I I I think that uh, you know, like we talked about, staying in shape. Uh, I, I do believe that somewhere in there is a correlation to growing up around tennis uh, because tennis That's is, right. if you're going to break it down into one word that really uh, echoes into drumming, I'd say that it's the word balance. What I'll say is, and it's the highest compliment I can pay, is that I always know it's you. I think if you went and cut an album with REO Speedwagon and no one knew it, I'd wonder, and I didn't know anything and I just heard it, I'd say, why is Lars playing with REO Speedwagon? <laughs> you, and, and I think on- I think Why it's isn't a, Lars playing? Yeah, why isn't? That's what know? they're asking. Yeah. But, but to me, the ultimate goal of any uh, person with an instrument is to make it uniquely their own. And you've done that. Thank and you. It means a lot. My well, it shouldn't because I'm not a I'm a, <laughs> okay, well, yeah. still, I'm a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Remember who you're talking to, Lars. You know who this is. <laughs> at, at, at this point, at this, this point, this means my, nothing yeah. to me. It's you, what you yeah. should have said. Yeah. You compliment every guest's <laughs> drumming ability, no matter whether yeah. they play or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At this yeah. point in my life, uh, I I I take all the compliments and I. And and I say that semi-jokingly, but back in the day, you know, when I was 20 or 30, I never slowed down long enough to take the compliments sure, in. Yeah. So, and I, I, I'm but sure every, everybody can relate to a version. We're all just in such a hurry. Yeah. I want to, so I just want to make sure I mention uh, 72 Seasons is the new album. Yes. And uh, how many albums has this been now? This is 11, right? I'm not the one to ask. I think Matt is the one to ask. Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt trust him. Yeah, it's somewhere because it gets I've been it, your manager it, for yeah, several yeah. years. <laughs> Which is uh, much appreciated, yeah, by the way. Sure. But yeah, it gets into well. all that stuff about, you know, do the live albums count? Do the cover right. albums count? Right. You know? Does your phony phone calls album count? Exactly. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Metallica but, and the Jerky Boys? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want it. <laughs> but, you know, somewhere around 11 or 12, yeah. give or take, it's not... 20 or 30. And you're starting a two-year tour, That's M72 right. tour. Um, and uh, Matt, I want to go to a show with you. because I would I, please? No, I, I really I've do. I've been asking since 2007. I know, but you <laughs> okay. always ask when there's work to be done. <laughs> Well, now that things are winding down, you Good and I for, can finally. Yeah. Oh, I, I wonder where they were. When I, they're winding down. No one told no, me. I don't know. You said there was always work to be done. 
I think um, we're doing it. We're doing a couple nights at SoFi. At, uh, SoFi yeah. and, uh, yeah. So a couple nights at SoFi, I think. In the, well, it's uh, a two-night commitment, Conan, yeah. because well, also, it's a different set each night. Yeah. And so, of course, yeah. of course, the band's going to want me to come out for a set with for my sure. acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. yes. um, yes. Let there be no question about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, you playing Georgia Satellites with Metallica. I got some change in my pocket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to have the opposite reaction, just for fun, <laughs> just say, hey, hey everybody, Conan O'Brien's going to come out now. We're going to interrupt the show, and he's bringing his acoustic guitar. And then you're going to see people, as I start to play, file no, out. Yeah, we, they will file yeah, out. Yeah, now, have, they'll come back the yeah, next night. We have our version of that. It, it's either, you know, when we need to clear the house, it's, you know, we'll do a drum solo or we, you know, we do whatever. There's, there's multiple versions of that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. if you want to come out and help clear the house, the stage I is am yours. The, anytime <laughs> you feel that you want to get rid of the crowd quickly, let's say there's an emergency and yeah. you need the crowd out of there, yeah. I will come on stage and uh, I'll sing Aqualung. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we've had You'll some uh, uh, let's go yeah, i mean it, it reminds me we, i was talking to somebody uh, interview a couple of days ago where we were talking about our history of la mm -hmm. uh and i mean we've had some of the the best shows of our career in la because the the, the fans here are so passionate uh and obviously you know uh, going back to the knac days with long beach arena uh, what are those 16,000 seats in there? We've paid for about 15,000 of those 16,000 seats over the years because every time we would play Long Beach Arena, people would just take the cushion, you know, play Frisbee with it inside the arena. And next day it would be like, uh, okay, uh, Metallica, here's those $300,000 worth of cushion <laughs> shopping that we had to do for, you know. Wait, you I, you have to pay for oh, that? Oh, fuck yeah. We, I had to go on... James and I had to go on KNAC multiple times and go, listen, whatever, you know, you're our fans and, and we're your fans and we're all in this together. We want you to have a good time and we support that. But understand one thing, when you're rebelling, if you think you're rebelling against the building or rebelling against authority or rebelling against a man or whatever the fuck it is you think you're rebelling against, the only people you're really rebelling against is Metallica, which is fine, you know. So, but we had a similar situation a couple of years later at LA Coliseum. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, you know, we were playing uh, and there was uh, uh, whoever had booked the LA Coliseum show at, at that time, things were maybe... Uh, slightly more unpredictable about sort of the the physical elements of the makeup of these shows and in front of the stage the whole lawn or the you know the football field at the LA Coliseum was all folding chairs oh, <laughs> Jesus uh, so uh I don't know if any of the six of you would like to guess where 40,000 folding chairs oh ended God. up oh about, you know, three songs into the set. Yeah, that, yeah that's right. All those, uh, whatever there was, 30, 40,000 folding chairs ended up on stage. And you got them in. And so we had to stop the show as, as all these folding chairs were being, I mean, it was... <laughs> I mean, I like you, you, you're, you're talking, you talked earlier, Conan, about like you couldn't script some of this shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you really couldn't script no, some of these things. No, I once did a comedy show and I didn't know that uh, it was lawn dart night. <laughs> 35,000 people had a lawn dart underneath their chair. I was killed. I'm a ghost now. That's where this story goes. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> anyway, I so, like the idea of Metallica having to stack neatly yeah. the folding chairs <laughs> on racks. Yeah, excuse yeah. us, uh, guys. We're gonna cut Creeping Death short right yep. now. Right. We'll be back in in thirty minutes after we stack. I don't know why. I can't. There's a meeting after this. We have to get these to them in good condition. I can't picture an old lady talking to James Hetfield and saying, "No, no, no, that's." There's still seven cushions unaccounted for. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, uh, Lars, you are a busy man. Uh, you're about to leave on a two-year tour, and my offer stands. I will clear your audience. <laughs> Thank you. We will uh, with, we'll take you up on that. With always. my version, of my, my take on Aqualung, anytime uh, you need that. But, Thank um, you. Best of luck. 72 Seasons is the new album. The M72 Tour is uh, starting. I'm going to be there with my friend Matt. Please. And um, we're the same vintage, That's and right. you inspire me. What, I'm gonna... what, uh, what month are you born? I was born uh, April 18th, okay, 1963. So eight, eight months older than I am, yeah. yeah. I'm December. Mm -hmm. Although on Wikipedia, I'm only 44. <laughs> okay. I have someone who just keeps putting that in. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, congratulations on Thank your you. insane, crazy success and for sharing your story with us. It's, Thank you. Uh, Thanks it's for amazing. having me. Great yeah. to see all of you guys. We'll see everybody out there. We'll see you guys at SoFi. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot, Lars. Take care. Thank you. So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident, so are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Come on. If most people are being honest... No one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn. 
the place to be, to be. I have a suspicion that most of our fans are hardcore uh, sports fanatics. <laughs> and um, I think we should talk about baseball because baseball has changed significantly this season and everybody's talking about it. I mean, this oh. is a game that has been around, it's been America's pastime forever, going back to the 19th century. And now they've fundamentally changed it in these fascinating ways. Well, you've come to the right two people. This is, I know, I, I was, was like, is this Do you guys have any idea is what's this happening? A bit? No, it's not a bit. No clue. Oh, wait, you know what? I heard that they did a bunch of stuff to make the game go faster. Yes, games were getting very long. And I think the average game at one point was pushing three hours. More than three oh. hours. More than three hours. So Eduardo, feel free to time? feel free to weigh in because you know about this. But one of the things is there's a there's a pitch clock. So you know the way yep. you'd be watching baseball and the pitcher's fidgeting and then the batter steps out of the box but then gets back in again. You think, this is, come on, let's go. Yeah, so, so baseball players are like notorious for being habitual everything so and and superstitious excuse me so yeah. they'll reset their batting glove after every pitch yeah and so that's what would lead to the three-hour game but now there's a pitch clock there's a pitch clock they also made there's a pitch clock so the pitcher has to pitch by a certain time yes. the batter can't be stepping out of the box all the time right it's like an automatic you strike know strike or ball, or ball right. if either the pitcher or the or the batter uh goes over. The other thing they did is they made the bases bigger. Yes. Because um how big? Are we talking like twenty feet? Well it's so it's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> then I'd watch baseball. Bases. <laughs> they're they're uh they're much larger. Yes. I think they're several inches larger, which makes a huge difference. A couple inches bigger. Yeah. Uh, which encourages more stolen bases. For, um, it, to make the game because the, we were getting into a rut where it was either massive home runs or strikeouts. This is like what they did to the Oscars. Now I'm understanding what's yeah, going on. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. But it's got me thinking they should do more you know like I'm thinking and this is a thing I've always thought about which is uh, and just hear me out baseball fans if when you hit the ball you're up at the plate you hit the ball you have the option you can run to first oh, or good. you can run to third that would be really exciting. now check this out once you've committed to your base your base direction that remains your base direction for the un, until yeah, you have to. So you have yeah. players. Now here's oh, the cool thing: you can't thing. just run to third and then suddenly be on third and just have one more base. Of course not. No, oh. no. You once you run to third, third essentially becomes first. But there's a adds a whole level of strategy. And I do want people to hear me out on this and consider this. This is my platform. I think it's a brilliant idea. And so you have to make a you have to make a split second decision about I hit the ball. Am I running to first or am I running to third? And it changes everything. Now here's the cool thing: if you do this. You start to get players crossing each other in the base path. Okay. Do they have to high yeah. five or do they have to like no, they acknowledge have to do each a other? Bridge. No, no, no. God damn it. You don't. This is what happens when players cross each other. You use special effects. One of them, it's not dangerous. They're wearing special suits, but when they cross each other, both catch fire briefly. <laughs> It would look so fucking cool. Okay, like, you had they'd me be until like, this point. No, there'd be like a pyrotechnic burst as they crossed each other. <laughs> and it would look so cool. Uh. Can you imagine on instant replay, like a burst of flame behind each of their backs? They're fine. 
they're safe. But when they just as they pass each other, people would be watching the game, hoping that players would cross each other on the base pass so they'd see that burst of flame. It's like Hunger Games because she, she has that dress that goes on fire. Exactly. And <laughs> a lot of our sports fans listening right really now. really trying to understand yeah, this I, by just putting it me. from his perspective. Right. Yeah, movies. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't know about the fire. But okay. I like that the might have been stupid. The fire was. But what about it? Eduardo, what do you think? I like I like the idea of being able to run it's great. whichever direction you want. But then what do you do when you hit for a double, right? And you got to run to second. He'll always get it to second. But then you could get two people out at the same time without even doing a double it play. It depends. Like how do double plays work exactly? Yeah, you just, well, you just well. <laughs> step on one base and both of them are out. Uh, no, 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 that would have to be adjusted. And again, that's where I think the flames might help. <laughs> um, don't trust me. The flames are, I know it's a little theatrical, but, uh, a I'm, little. Well, I'm going to stick to it, <laughs> Okay. but, um, I know there's stuff that needs to be worked out. I'm not saying that, that this is automatically, okay. This is done. interesting though. Cause aren't people like chosen just cause they play first base really well, but now they'd have to be good at first and essentially third. Right, but also what if then teams would know the guy at third base isn't as great. We're going to quickly right. uh we're going to we're going to hit the ball and he's going to go to third, but that may end up being a mistake depending on where the other hitters in the lineup hit. Right. So, I think we're we're basically going is from checkers to three-dimensional chess. Oh. I agree. I it think this is, is great. Is it still called first, second and third base? I mean, is it oh, like Oh, good question. Oh, yeah. it, well, the third should be No. No. First. No, no, and no. And then uh <laughs> first Clearly, we've should chosen the right committee third. for this. <laughs> Listen, second I like this. Should just be second. Yeah, yeah. Second will always be second. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if first you want, if third is thirst, then so be it. Thirst, third, so, and second. <laughs> what's on thirst? Yes. <laughs> what's on thirst? Third base. Thirst base. Third base. <laughs> um, I just think there is a bunch of new ways to improve the game. I agree. And. Is this helping the time stuff? Uh, no, it doesn't. Ha it doesn't actually. The game's sped up now. Which Somebody is good. has to put out the fire, though, right? So that's going to take time. <gasps> no, 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 the fire is not. Don't, let's not be silly about the fire. Oh, <laughs> the fire is not a thing to be ridiculed or. This isn't funny. What it is is it's just a quick pyrotechnic burst when uh, they when they cross each other. Got it. And um, it's just going to look very cool. No one's. What are they wearing? They have stuff on their head that's fireproof. Like, no, no. My hair caught oh. on fire once just by blowing out a birthday candle. Yeah, so it's so easy. But Sona, <laughs> the amount of stuff in your hair. Come on. I mean, no, it's so uh, it's ridiculous. What's I'm just in saying, there. it's so easy for something to catch on fire. You you practically work candle wax into your hair every morning. <laughs> You're one to talk. Oh, Come please. On. There's nothing in here. There's <laughs> okay. just some mayonnaise and some spackle. And that's it. <laughs> I'm not going to be ridiculed. I just think a lot of people are going to die. I that think, would make it more exciting. Well, first of all, yeah. that would get oh. some attention. Oh. But Eduardo, games. that's what I'm pitching is we keep all the changes they've made. But when you hit the ball, you can go, you can, you have to, you can choose your own base path. I like it. And I would like the league to start considering my ideas. I think that baseball has taken the first step, but needs to take literally maybe nine more steps. You want to like professional wrestling, put that veneer on baseball, basically. Well, you want I, that treatment. I want the bats to be made of different materials so the balls move much, nice. much more quickly yeah. and are more lethal. And um, I think that's going to be cool because then there's going to be a real scary oh, element. I the got it on that. And this kind of thematically goes with your bases thing. So they don't have a bat, they have a broadsword. And they can hit it with the flat end like a bat, mm. or they can hit it with the sharp end and it splits the ball in two. Yep. And so then they're headed towards either the third or third. And you have to field both halves. Yes. Yeah. And by the time they get home. 
but there's a little gold coin in the ball yes. that comes free when you cut it in half. And if an opposing player can get to that coin yes. and swallow it, yes. then everybody's out. Now we're talking. Yes. Is it chocolate? It's got a little chocolate in it. Oh, cool. Yeah. I but like also, that. for reasons I don't understand, some asbestos as well. Oh, yes. man. Yes. Um, listen, I'm just baseball. I'm here. Yeah. And I am ready to talk because you just want baseball to contact you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just I want the concept of baseball. I don't want to hear from Major League Baseball. Boring. Yeah. I want the concept of baseball to film. Can there okay. be like, I don't know, robots? Are there robots in the Japanese? <gasps> I had a robot waiter come serve me at Hoff's Hut the other day. You know, so they could do it at baseball. So, yeah, yeah there could be baseball. Each team could have one robot. Okay. They're okay. talking about having robot umpires. Well, there like should be yeah. two seasons. Yeah. Oh. Two seasons oh. from now. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. But not, you're just, you're just talking about the same kind of robot that oh, tells you small. when a, I'm thinking small, no no you, the, you're talking about the kind of robot that says the ball was uh, over the line in tennis which right. is basically just a sophisticated laser system we want real beep beep burp burp <laughs> mm, yeah. it is my turn to bat <laughs> suck on this yeah. we want those kind of robots I, I clink clank yeah. clink clank yeah did you ever play baseball I played stickball a lot when I was a kid. Oh, okay, Jesus. so you're not coming from like a position of like you're coming from. I played this and I know what not needs even to little change. League? You yeah, you league? didn't play any little league. No, I tried to play little league when I was in my 30s, and they, <laughs> I was discouraged. I, I didn't play little league either. You say it like every. I thought every kid played little yeah, league baseball. Too. We I... did have a stickball. We had a a wall that had a spray painted uh, strike zone, and I played stickball a lot, which I loved. And and we'd play it with a tennis ball. Okay, it was a lot of fun. You were that a little cool. rascal. I really was. And I, I played it and yeah, I would sell newspapers that said the Hindenburg exploded and then I would go play stickball with my friends. And then it was oh time God. for all of us to go up to our tenement house and Ma would cook us some yam stew. <laughs> then we'd listen to Roosevelt on the radio. All right, that's it for now. I'm waiting for your call, baseball. <laughs> Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sona Movsesian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.